0: Chapter 14, verse 12. Jesus is approaching the end of his earthly life. It won't be long after these events that we see unfold that Jesus will be betrayed by Judas and he will be nailed to a cross. He will be crucified and resurrected. These are the last few days of Jesus' life here that are unfolding before us. Mark chapter 14, verse 12. We'll read through all of it, then we'll pray, and then we will dig in. On the first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples asked him, Where do you want us to go and prepare the Passover so you may eat it? So he sent two of his disciples and told them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a water jug will meet you. Follow him. Wherever he enters, tell the owner of the house. The teacher says, Where is the guest room for me to eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, furnished and ready. Make the preparations for us there. So the disciples went out, entered the city, and found it just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. When evening came, he arrived with the twelve. While they were reclining and eating, Jesus said, I assure you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They began to be distressed and to say to him one by one, Surely not I. He said to them, It is one of the twelve, the one who is dipping bread with me in the bowl. For the Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Let's pray. God, we come to you today as we look at your word. I pray, God, that it would be a word that would help us to look at our own lives. God, I pray that it would be a word that would point us to Jesus. I pray that you would be glorified by everything that is spoken here today. I pray that when I open my mouth, God, it will be your words and not mine. I pray that you would hide me behind the cross, that you would take away any fear or pride that I may have today, God, that you would do the work in this place and that we would all hear from your word. Let your Holy Spirit be among us. Let us be free of distractions, God, and lay down anything we may have brought in and God, just in these few minutes, let us give you this time and I pray that we'd listen to you and I pray that you'd work in our lives and I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, this was a big week in Jerusalem as people were coming, getting ready for the Passover. Now, we will talk more about the Passover next week as we look at the Lord's Supper and the meal that he is going to eat with his disciples. But uh, preparations needed to be made for this Passover meal that was to take place. And Uh, We see here in verse 12 that on the first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, he asked his disciples, or excuse me, his disciples asked him, Where do you want us to go and prepare the Passover meal so that you may eat it? And now, this Passover was something that the people of Israel had been uh, doing for years, since the time that God had delivered them from Egypt. He had delivered them out of slavery in the land of Egypt and eventually was going to lead them into the promised land. And uh, part part of that Passover experience is what was celebrated still by the people of Israel. And As Jesus being a Jewish man and his disciples being Jewish, they were simply celebrating what God had commanded them to celebrate all those years ago. They would celebrate this Passover meal. And the disciples said, Okay, Jesus, the time has come for the Passover lamb to be slain and for the Passover meal to be prepared. Where do we need to go do this? And Jesus sends a couple of them into town and gives them instructions. And he says, look, you're going to see a guy carrying a jug. Just follow him. And when you get to where you're going, tell them that the master sent you and this is what's going to to need to happen. We need a place for the Passover. And they're going to show you a room that's fully furnished and ready for this to take place. Now, there's a couple of ways we could take what Jesus said there. One, it could be miraculous. Jesus could have done a miracle there. That's not a problem. He could have had all these things put into place and these people's hearts could have been moved by God. And this was a miraculous uh, thing that the disciples went and found this guy carrying a water jug and, and the place was all set up for them and ready for the Passover. Uh, it could be miraculous or it could be a more simple explanation. It could be that Jesus had all these things arranged in advance. Now, there's no problem accepting either of those. We certainly know Jesus can do miracles, but that doesn't necessarily mean that everything that Jesus did was a miracle. It's possible that he could have met with these folks ahead of time and said, hey, you're going to see a couple of my disciples coming into town later. Uh, We're going to need a place for the Passover. And when they come and ask you about it, uh, show them where everything's going to be and get it ready. And uh, it's possible that that's what Jesus did. Uh, Regardless of whether it was miraculous or whether Jesus had had all these things lined up, it doesn't really matter too much. But uh, the point being is that this this Passover meal, this Lord's Supper, the last supper that Jesus was going to eat with his disciples would soon take place. <clears throat> Let's continue on in verse 17. When evening came, he arrived with the 12. While they were reclining and eating, Jesus said, I assure you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. Now, you can only imagine what must have been going through the disciples' minds. After all, these men had been with Jesus for three years now, give or take a few months. They had been with Jesus for a long time, and Jesus had really invested in them, and Jesus had really loved them, and it would appear as though that they loved Jesus and were obedient and faithful to him. But that wasn't the case, and Jesus knew that wasn't the case. There was one who was not devoted to Jesus. There was one who was not faithful to Jesus. And that one, as we see in Scripture, is Judas. Now, when <laughs> Jesus told them this, it seems uh, clear that, that they didn't have any idea that, that Judas was, was the betraying type. They begin to discuss among themselves. They begin to be distressed. Surely not I, or some of your translations may say, "Is it I?" They are questioning. They are, "Is it going to be me?" I don't. I don't want to be the one who is who is going to betray you. Now, if there would have been some something that Judas had been doing that would have drawn their attention to him, they would have all said when Jesus said that, "They yeah, I bet it's Judas.'" But they didn't do that. They all were they were all looking at their cells and saying, surely it won't be I, surely I won't be the one who betrays the Messiah. And Jesus goes on to say in verse 20, it is one of the 12, the one who is dipping bread with me in the bowl. For the son of man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man by whom the son of man is betrayed. So Jesus said, nope, it's surely gonna happen. There are one of you one of the twelve who are going to betray me. Now, we talked a little bit about Judas last week when Mary came and broke the jar of oil and, and poured it onto Jesus' head, and the disciples began to question and said, wait a minute, look, this is expensive stuff. That We could have sold this and gave it to the poor and We don't see Judas necessarily mentioned particularly here in this verse as being one who is greedy and and steals, but we see that in other gospels. That his concern was not really about selling the oil and giving it to the poor. His concern was about the money and what he was going to get out of the deal because the scriptures tell us that he was a greedy man who liked to take a little off the top. He was in charge of the money and the money went to judas's head now we need to look at judas's life and we need to think about judas's life and we need to think about our own life to make sure that we do not fall into the same trap that judas has fallen into now it's possible that when judas first began to follow jesus that he really did trust jesus that he really believed that jesus was the son of god that he was really obedient to Jesus, that he really wanted to do what Jesus was commanding and, and be a faithful disciple to Jesus. It's possible that Jesus was a good guy at the beginning. Whether he was or was not, we don't really know. But if he was a good guy at the beginning, there was some point where something changed. There was something that changed him. And it appears from the scripture that it was the money, that it was the greed, the fact that he wanted to take a little off the top and did from time to time, he would steal from the money bag, the scriptures said. The fact that when it came down to it that for the small price of 30 pieces of silver, Judas was willing to betray the Savior of the world. It would appear as though that Judas's motivation for betraying Jesus was nothing more than money. It was greed. And we must be careful because we may also be tempted to be greedy. We may also fall into the temp of temptation of materialistic things and greed. And once greed begins to take hold of you, once you begin to want more and more and more, you will begin to do more and more and more. You'll begin to do almost anything. And so... What got Judas is something that you and I must be careful about. If you want to flip to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 10. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 10. You know what? Let's, read. let's start in verse 1 while we're already here. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Let's just read 1 through 10. That way we can get the whole context of what's being spoken about here. <clears throat> 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 1. Teach and encourage these things. If anyone teaches other, other doctrine and does not agree with the sound teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ and with the teaching that promotes godliness... He is conceited, understanding nothing, but has a sick interest in disputes and arguments over words. From these come envy, quarreling, slander, evil suspicions, and constant disagreement among people whose minds are depraved and deprived of the truth, who imagine that godliness is a way to material gain. Now that sounds a little bit like what Judas is doing there at the end. He by all accounts, appeared to be godly, and maybe at some point he was godly, but he was not using that godliness to grow in God. He was using that godliness as a way to material gain. In verse 6, But godliness with contentment is great gain. Now that's a verse that perhaps we need to remember. It's a good short verse. You see, we too may go down the same path of Judas. We may be tempted to gain things that are material that are worldly wealth of the world we may be tempted in those things we may even be tempted to use our godliness as a way to get more of what we want we may be willing to manipulate and do what we need to do and maybe we use our 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 good christian name and our good name in the community for being a godly man or woman to get our way to benefit us uh Well, the solution to that is to be content. Now, that's a hard thing, and perhaps we need to pray about that. Maybe you are content if you are, praise the Lord. But if you're not content, then you need to pray that God would help you to be content. Paul could do all things through Christ who strengthened him because he had learned the secret to being content, the scripture says. The secret to being content is to focus on Jesus and let him be the center of your life. If you are content with Christ, you will be content in all areas of your life. If you are not content with Christ, you are likely to seek contentment by things of the world, and that will lead to trouble. But what does the Scripture say? But godliness with contentment is great gain. And There are many people who may be godly, maybe even some of you here today, but you may not be content. But godliness with contentment is great gain. We want to be godly men and women who live for God and who seek God but are content with God and fully content and fully fulfilled with everything that God has given us through Jesus Christ. But godliness with content is great gain. Our gain does not need to be to seek more materialistic things, to seek more wealth, to seek more things of the world. Yeah, God may bless us. We may have some of those things, praise the Lord. But if we do not have those things, we should be content in Christ, whether hungry or whether well-fed, whether clothed or whether naked, whether there's a roof over our head or whether we are on the street. We must learn the secret to being content. And that is putting Jesus Christ at the center of our life. And when we have godliness with that kind of contentment, there is great gain. What do we gain? We gain gain peace. We gain hope. We gain joy. Even in the midst of our toughest times, we can rejoice in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice, as the scripture says. Why? Because Jesus Christ has done all that we need. He has forgiven our sins and he has given us hope. And so when we are godly, with contentment, it is of great gain to us. And that's what the passage says here, continuing on in verse 7. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation, a trap, and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. Now those last couple of verses there, but those who want to be rich fall into temptation. It is a trap that many fall into And I would say that it is the very trap that Judas had fallen into. He had godliness, but he did not have contentment. We have to have both, brothers and sisters in Christ. We must have godliness with contentment. Judas had godliness, perhaps in some form. He had a form of godliness, but denied his power, as the scripture would say. He had godliness, but he did not have contentment. He wanted a little more. A little more what? A little more relationship with Christ? Nope. He wanted a little more money. 30 pieces of silver was enough. Not a whole lot. Just a little bit more. Judas fell into the trap of this very passage that Paul warns us about. This trap of desiring the world's witches and the world's money. So what happens when we fall into that trap? Perhaps some of you have fallen into it in the past. Maybe you are in the trap right now or perhaps you will be tempted with that trap in the future what happens when we fall into the trap when we fall into the trap of greed we begin to love money and that's it we begin to love money and money becomes our god and we want more money and more money and more money and when we want money and that's all we want and there's no contentment in christ in our life then we will do anything to get that money. And that's why the passage says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And there are many who have craved it, it says, and they have wandered away from the faith. They have left what is good in a pursuit of what will destroy them and what will cause them much pain. They have left Jesus Christ For money, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So we must be careful. If we see that greed coming, we must be careful because once we become greedy, we will stop at nothing to get what we want. Hear that? Once greed takes over, You will stop at nothing to get more. You want more. It doesn't matter. You will lie, you will cheat, and you will steal to get more. You will stab your friends in the back. You will turn on your own family. You'll throw them under the bus. And you'll even betray Jesus Christ. So we must be careful because greed is not a good thing because once we become greedy we become consumed and once we become consumed we are blinded because all we see is dollar signs and we can't see the cross for the dollar signs and even if we know the cross is there and even if we know that Jesus is there pretty soon the dollar sign looks better to us than Jesus Christ on the cross Christ crucified and so we must be careful Because greed got the better of Judas. He wanted the money more than he wanted the Messiah. So we must be careful that we don't fall into the trap. Judas was a pretty bad guy. Willing to betray Jesus, willing to deny Jesus. What makes Judas different than us? You ready for this? Nothing. There is nothing that makes you different than Judas. You have the same temptations that Judas had. The thing that makes you different is what you choose to do. Are you going to choose the money and the greed? Or are you going to choose Jesus Christ? Are you going to be content with what you have? Or are you going to be consumed with wanting more and wanting more and wanting more? And so when we see here Jesus preparing for this last supper and Jesus speaking of Judas saying, there is one who is about to betray me, perhaps it would behoove us to listen to the response of the disciples who said, is it I? Is there one in this room who will betray Jesus Christ? Is there one in this room who will deny Jesus Christ? There may be. Maybe one of you who will turn on Jesus, who will turn to the world. We may be tempted to say, Not me, but it'd probably be better for us to say, Is it I? Lord, is it I? Lord, is there something in my life that I love more than you? Lord, am I content with you or am I consumed by the world? Lord, am I going down a path that's pulling me further and further away from you? God, do I look more to the things of the world than I look to the cross of Jesus Christ? God, could I betray you? God, could I turn on you? God, could I deny the faith? Is it I? It could be you if you make the wrong choice. Judas had a choice to make. He made the wrong choice. He chose the money. Spoiler alert, we hadn't got here yet, but the money does not satisfy him. He chose the money, and he realized after he chose the money that he made the wrong choice. Now, I hope none of you have to learn that lesson. I hope I don't have to learn that lesson. I hope that there doesn't come a day in our life where we choose the money over the Messiah and we don't have to feel the pain that Judas felt. What does it say about those who have been greedy? In 1 Timothy it says, Some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. There's great pain to be felt When we deny Jesus Christ, when we reject Jesus Christ, one can only imagine the pain that Judas felt. So as we read this story and we see these things unfolding and we see Judas will soon betray Jesus, we may ask ourselves, man, how could he do that? How could he do it? He was with Jesus. He knew Jesus. How could he do it? Now here's a question you can ask yourself. How can I go about not doing it? God, I don't want to be Judas. I've got those temptations. I have those desires for the world. God, I don't want to be Judas. I want to know, God, how can I not do it? How can I not fall into the trap? Well, we see how not to fall into the trap. Trust Jesus Christ and put him first. Be content with Christ. That is how you avoid the trap. And so we look at our lives and we say alright Lord is it I? Am I capable of doing such things? We are. But we must choose Christ over the world. Let's pray. Father God we come to you this morning. We thank you for these good words. This is heavy stuff dear Lord. We think, we think back at the events as the life of Jesus were. Coming to a close on this world and Dear Lord, we look at Judas and we look at this time that Jesus spends with the disciples. and God, I pray that you would help us to reflect on our own lives and see our own discontentment. God, maybe we love you, maybe we're godly, but God, let us have godliness with contentment. Let us not fall into the trap of greed and possessions. God, let us not make the same mistake that Judas made. God, maybe there's some in this room and they've never put their faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe they've been choosing the world. But maybe today they're ready to choose Christ. I hope they are. God, I pray that they would just open their heart to you and ask that you forgive them and repent. And acknowledge that Jesus is the Savior and trust Him and put their faith in Him. God, maybe there's some this morning and they are yours. They are genuinely yours. They are living a godly life, but maybe they need a little more contentment. Maybe that greed, that power, the things of the world look a little good to them, dear Lord. They do. They look good to us, God. But it's like a mirage, God. It it looks good in the distance, but once once we get it, we realize it's not that good. So help us to see that today, dear Lord, that we can repent, that we can guard ourselves, that we can be prepared that we can seek to be content with what you give us. It may not be everything we want, it may not be what we dream of, but God, let us be content with what you give us and what you do for us. And more than anything, God, let us be content with Jesus Christ. And I ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for today's service learn more about jesus call or text pastor shan at 601 or email him at shanvn at me.com you can also visit us at www.enterprisebaptist.church or follow us on facebook at facebook.com slash ebc liberty we hope that you have been blessed by today's service